Yo, 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 what's up, my man? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm excited to share this interview with Jacob Valk. Uh, Jacob is a new friend of mine, and he is the creator and the director of Into the Light documentary. And you might be observing over the last three or four years, there's been the release of a lot of highly produced films and you know documentaries like these that are exposing the realities of the porn industry and sex trafficking and uh, you know there's even one documentary that kind of shows the interplay. Um, these guys are at the forefront of it. You know, I, I think there's really two organizations. It's Into the Light uh, Ministries and it's Exodus Cry and Benji Nolot, who's also been on the show. And so I brought Jacob on. I wanted to hear a little bit of his heart behind the the docu series, uh, the teaching series rather. And why they put together, you know, why they're doing it this way and uh, what's different about their approach from some of the other organizations out there is they're really trying to inform and and teach and educate as opposed to just kind of exposing. And there's nothing wrong with that because we do need to be confronted with uh, the realities of it. But I like the teaching angle. You guys know me. I'm I'm a teacher at heart. And so this was a very robust conversation. And the other really cool thing about Jacob is he's not just some you know, kind of artsy, creative guy with, you know, a big vision and some cool ideas. This guy's actually working on his MDiv right now with the intent to then go straight into a PhD, all focusing on modesty in the modern day and uh, and some, some other sub-subjects uh, as well. And so it is really just, it comes from a fascinating place. He's very well informed. He's very articulate and he's deep, deep in the research, both present day and past, uh, a lot of history and kind of um, yeah, sort of ancient times factors into some of these conversations and narratives. And so this was just fascinating. I really enjoyed myself. I learned a lot. And I think you guys will too. And what I'm hoping that you guys will get out of this, this is not, I'm not a fear monger. Like, you know, you need to go watch this documentary and just get rocked by how bad porn is for you and you'll never watch again. Um, that's not really my approach. I think what I want you guys to see is number one, that media can be used for good, right? Because let's not kid ourselves. Porn is a constant reminder that media can have a really destructive impact on someone's life. Number two is um, is hopefully you guys can start to feel a little bit more hopeful about the direction of the world. That was really the goal of this is to inspire some hope. And I think number three, you know, this this is a guy, this is a man on a mission. And there's something to be said about men who are living on mission, who have good biblical foundations and are really pursuing the things that God's called them to. And you're going to get that from Jacob as well. And so um, without further ado, I'm going to, I'm going to just pass it over to my man, Jacob Locke. Enjoy the interview, guys. Let's go. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with my man, Jacob, a new friend here, but uh, really doing incredible work. Uh, The executive director of Into the Light Ministries. And you guys have just uh, recently done a documentary called Into the Light. Um, Incredible work, man. It's a real treat to have you on the show. Dude, I'm I'm really stoked to chat with you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I I think we should just like, let's just cut to the chase. You did this documentary, uh, Into the Light. Can you tell us a little bit about just as a starting point, what is the documentary? What's the purpose here? 
Yeah, man. So so the the category that it sits in is a little odd. We call it a, a teaching documentary. And okay. so kind of our vision was to kind of put that balance of something that's like a helpful resource, but like a story, like an actual documentary. And so Into the Light um, teaching documentary, and it walks through that process of change, right? From bondage and sexual sin to freedom in Christ. So we made it as a resource for people who are struggling that really gives those steps to freedom. And so that we released that earlier this year. Um, it's been really cool. And it was kind of like the first major project that we made as a ministry. That's oh, amazing, man. So you could have just done a, a course or a mm-hmm. curriculum, like if teaching is what you guys are really passionate about. Why did you do this as a documentary? Yeah, dude, that's a really good question. Um, It kind of goes, part of it goes back to like, actually, do you mind if I tell the story? I think the logic sure. kind of how it got into it, the logic kind of sits in there. Okay. Um, so like I, I grew up um, in a really, like here in, in, in Niagara, Ontario, um, and I grew up in a really good Christian home. And so I had this incredible opportunity where my mom talked to me about the dangers of porn from a super early age. Wow. And so because of like faithful prayers of a mom, like the good Lord, I never got hooked on porn proper which is rare, right? Like I don't have any friends who have that, that like particular gift of a story, but my film partner, John Michael, um, he was hooked at like eight years old, which is, a, I think a, probably something that resonates with a lot of your audience. Right. So oh, yeah. young, curious, got hooked for a decade. And then, you know, by the grace of God, he, he got free, um, just with a lot of work, it took years. And, but then, you know, he's um, able to, to kick, kick his porn addiction. Mm-hmm. And so kind of, and so for me, I wasn't hooked on porn proper, but I was completely addicted, like addicted to masturbation. Um, so I was giving into that over and over and over again in a way that was just completely unhealthy. And mm-hmm. so um, I had a lot of work to do in that area. And by the grace of God, you know, I got free from that too. But that kind of put the two of us in a place of like, you know, um, sexual sin, pornography had really like hurt and John Michael's case, myself, and so many of our friends. So we were part of accountability groups. And and like, that was just a big, like walking with guys, talking with guys. That was just a big part of our lives. So I kind of, um, I worked in advertising before this, actually. And okay. so I, I felt a uh, call, aspiration to to ministry. So I ended up coming down to, to, to America uh, to a, a seminary here and started working on MDiv. And I got the opportunity to talk with a guy named Tim Challies. And he wrote a book called Sexual Detox. And in the conversation with Tim, I asked him about a book. And Tim has a great sense of humor. He's like, eh, the book's fine. He's like, but there are better, there are better books out there. But he stopped and he's like, you know, it's interesting to me. We have this video problem of pornography, but in answer, we typically write books. He's like, there could be space for a video counseling oriented resource. And I was like, dude, that's like, that is fascinating. Hmm. And Tim had no idea that I had worked in advertising and a large part of that was actually film for me. And so I called John Michael, like this friend of mine, I'd I'd work with him in film. And I was like, hey, you and I are passionate about this issue. I just had this conversation with Tim. What would it look like for us to like reach out to some of these authors and speakers who have meant so much to us and see if we could put together a documentary and the documentary, because we played with that idea. Like, what do we do? A curriculum, like a video series. but. The idea that like a youth group or a church could put on a showing of a film 
And just in that hour and 20 minutes, walk through that whole process to change, get a whole search on the same page. That was really exciting to us because like the 15 year old, like you're not going to pick up a book that says pornography on that and work through it over the course of several days, like in your living room. Like that's not happening. (laughs) Yeah. But you might be able to convince to be dragged out to a a showing of a film and that can spark conversation and really get some of that, like kind of get those steps to change. And so- that kind of kickstarted the whole process uh, for us, the whole filming thing. And that's kind of where we ended up earlier this year uh, releasing it. So that's kind of the logic behind a, a documentary proper. Yeah, I, I love it. And and I think it's it's smart to do something that's video-based because you're dealing with a demographic now. I mean, it doesn't really matter what age. We're all being conditioned to learn and to experience mm-hmm. through video content. Um, and then especially then when you start talking about people who are struggling with pornography, like if someone's struggling with pornography, it, it we're not talking about pictures anymore or erotic oh. stories. Like we're talking about video content. So I love that idea. Um, what was it like? Like, how did you guys go about it when, when you decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this sort of teaching documentary. We're going to, we're going to show that transformation process of someone who's going from bondage all the way to that place of freedom. Mm. Um, where, where do you start once you've made that decision? Like how, how did this thing start to come together? Yeah, man. So it was really interesting. So we, we just basically, he was still in Canada. I was in the States. We would get on a phone, on a phone call, uh, almost probably every other day for several hours, just playing baseball with ideas. Like mm. what, what, what does this look like? What, what's the best way to go? Like story is so key. Like we really want to tell stories, but how do you go about that? And so what we ended up doing was a real was a really interesting. The documentary is broken up into six chapters, like the heart of the documentary is six chapters. Okay. And each chapter kind of progressively walks through a different step. So chapter one is taken by a guy named Jeremy Pierre. It's on like uh, sin, like know thy enemy, basically. Chapter two is then God's good design for marriage. Chapter three with, with Heath Lambert is you know, understanding your heart, like the heart motivations, like that counseling practical. And then mm-hmm. four is um is like um uh, kind of boots on the ground, like strategies, cutting off access, things like that. And then it kind of keeps going on. And that was like the teaching side of things. And, but then we're like, Hey, this is like, that's boring. No one's going to want to listen to like talking heads for an hour of, of like their time. Right. And so what we did is between each section, we thread this story of a couple who um, each struggled with pornography themselves and brought that into marriage. And then working through and unpacking and so it's kind of like each you have this didactic teaching section and then you got to sit back and listen to this couple kind of almost dialogue and narrate the these parts of their lives and they kind of they all pair together right each of their talking pairs kind of with the what comes before and tees into what comes after and so that thread kind of works its way through and then you kind of hear near the end of how they they found freedom and like what that looked like for them and so and then we're like, well, if we're going to hear this couple, we got to really think through what visuals we show. And then we have all this, we got to do some of this beautiful B-roll of like a camping scene. And and how we got that is the whole story in of itself. But like, that's just kind of part of the creative process is you really, at least for something like this, and maybe you, you have similar experiences with songs, you kind of have an objective. There's something that needs to be done or needs to be said. And then you yeah. start like constructing backwards on like, what's the best way to get there? Like, we have attention, like reasonable attention spans. We have teaching that needs to be communicated, but let's not be boring. We want to, we want to sing. Something needs to sing. It needs to have beauty. It needs to have pace, like a story. 
well, how's the best way to do that? Do we show faces? Do we not? Do we do testimonies? And like, you kind of felt like, ah, and then, oh, there's downsides to that. And there's logistic problems with that. And that's going to cost 15 grand. So probably not. And then you just (laughs) kind of, you you start like, I don't know, honestly, you have your feet kicked up, like halfway chewed through a pencil and then you just go, okay, I think we're going to land on that idea. And then I don't know if that, if that kind of answers your question, but that's, that's how it started. That took months. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but if you, you start a film, you start burning hours for many months just writing and scripting and, and like architecting the bones of this thing. Yeah. And once we got kind of to a place where we had an outline of the documentary, we really knew what we wanted to get. Then we started uh, reaching out to people. And that was interesting because no one knew who we were. And right. so I, we were a couple of MDiv students. Well, I was in, he wasn't even a student at that point. So we basically spent an entire month uh, scripting these very tight videos for all of our speakers. So they were under 60 seconds of the two of us on a couch, really well shot and well lit. And it was like, hey, this is, our name is this. We're interested in having you for this documentary we're working on. It's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. We'd love to have you join the team. And then we built these really tight little emails that was just like, hey, we, we made a, uh, you know, we just a couple lines. We made this video for you. Would you watch it? And then attached an outline that was really, really beautiful that had like a, a comprehensive overview of the, of the doc that we hadn't made yet. And then we just started firing all these emails out. And by the grace of God, so what the first guy, um, Deepak, he's a, he's a, a pastor. He was a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. He just became a, a pastor at a different church. We uh, guessed his email. We didn't have it. And so we knew, <laughs> we knew the end at catbap. Dot, uh, dot com and so we guessed a whole variation of what the first part could be oh and one gosh. of the and then he emailed back it was on Valentine's Day February and he's like guys interesting project let's get a meeting um so we got a meeting <laughs> with him and we just walked him through the project we were really hyped about it and he's like guys I love this sign me up for chapter four that's my that's my thing and then he said one of the, one of the lines I'm most grateful for in my life he looked at us and he goes hey who's ignoring your emails let me let me get in contact with some people Wow. It's so kind of him. And that started like, so he contacted with other people and then we had some meetings with them and some worked out and some didn't, some were scheduling, but they referred us to other people. And some people got like five referrals from us by the time they ever answered one of the emails because busy. And and slowly we started assembling this, the team of people um, just with a lot of emails and back and forth. And so, uh, yeah, I, that maybe was a longer answer than you asked for. No, it's, that's kind of part of that architecting that came before we ever pulled the trigger on a camera. Like that was was eight or nine months of planning before we ever shot anything. That's really cool. And I mean, it makes sense. Like when you, when you watch the documentary, you can tell it's very well put together. And this was something that, you know, a lot of thought and a lot of time and effort went into. I I guess I'm curious. I have to, like, you just, you, you specifically strike me as um, a very studious person, someone who's kind of always learning and I have to imagine, Jacob, that while you were filming this, you know, you're talking to experts in the field, but then you're also hearing personal accounts of porn addiction and recovery and how a marriage can be impacted. Um, can you tell us, like, what were some things that you learned in this process that you're like, oh, you know, I've heard about that before, but I've never heard it articulated that way, or I didn't know this was a thing. Was there anything that caught you off guard? I, I'm just curious, like, what were some of the findings in all this researching and all these people that you got to rub shoulders with as you made the documentary? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few answers to that. In a lot of ways, there's nothing that like blew my categories apart because I've been doing this for a while. And in some ways, a lot of this is not particularly 
uh, complicated. The addiction side of pornography, once we started really, really getting into that, um, was really interesting. So there's a great book that you probably heard of um, called um, Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. Yeah, Gary Wilson, yeah. Dude, like the work that he does really like he doesn't take it for granted. He doesn't use addiction language casually. He's like, hey, it's a serious thing to call something an addiction. We have a precise category for what that is. I'm going to argue that pornography use can fit into the category of addiction. And so reading that book was really helpful in us because, uh, you know, this, this thing's explicitly scriptural. We're, you know, um, we're, we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is, is the way to fight pornography. But we don't want to be blind about like what porn is. And so kind of, I mean, we were talking a little bit before this. The, and it's it's interesting to think about never before in human history have we ever encountered something like internet pornography like right now an eight-year-old can open their phone and in 10 seconds find a library of more naked bodies than any human in recorded history could have found in a lifetime of trying yes. and it's that right yeah. never even 50 years ago 50 years ago playboy was static images and it was it was tame it was nothing like internet porn and so that's just like i think we're so sort of used to that and for me like even digging deeper like reading some of these addiction studies reading some of the like the intersection between trauma and um people mm -hmm. finding pornography, which as a coach i'm sure you you guys wrestle through and work with people all the time on was just kind of started building out a foundation of how bad pornography is in a way that like added resolution like i, I hadn't really had before Hmm. um that was that was huge like it i think it's something that's so like porn it's it's there but then you kind of stop and go yeah man this is we've never had this before never the yeah. even the worst of the of like the roman coliseums and the debauchery and, and pagan festivals and things like that it's bad real bad but it's not like how bad pornography is so yeah. that was the thing i i know your, your your podcast is is for men um but how pervasive porn is for women was a curveball. Mm. Like one of the things in the documentary that we're really, we, so there's a couple of awesome uh, women who speak in the, in the film. Um, and that are like part of the teachers. Cause we, we really made it so that it's really for men and for women. So we wanted to yeah. kind of have, but like we would start, as we started talking about on Instagram, being like, Hey, documentary for men, for women, here's some awesome like counselors who are talking in it. We would get DMS from women who are like, hey, and then just like this essay of their beautifully written story of like how they've been wrestling with pornography. Some of them had found freedom, some of them haven't. And like, we've got probably three times as many messages from women on Instagram as we have from men. Wow. Because we're one of a handful of people that are like talking about it. And so that gets really interesting when you start talking about like relationships and stuff of even now the amount of like guys and girls who are getting together, you know, starting to date, get married, where women are coming you know, having this secret battle with pornography, that that's a new dynamic people are having to mess with, or sorry, to like work with, that really wasn't true 20 or 30 years ago. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of trying to understand like, this from a woman's point of view was really was really interesting. The extra, there's a really great book, Helen Thorne put together, I think it's Purity as Possible, but Helen Thorne, so she's out of the UK. And she references a bunch of um, really interesting data on shame hmm. and you can quantify shame as it turns out in a reasonably accurate way and when you do that she kind of worked through the studies that women experience four times as much shame as men do 
um, with regard to sexual, like sexual sin and pornography. Wow. And so it's like, well, that's just when you have someone who's like, man, that that first step of like going to someone you trust and saying, hey, I struggle with pornography. That's hard. I bet a lot of your listeners know what that that moment was like. That was probably defining for a lot of people. That first person where you're like, hey, can I can I talk to you for a sec? Like that takes a lot of courage. And so for a lot of women, that being potentially four times as hard, that's that's something to chew on for a bit. So Mm. again, maybe more than what you asked for, but that was some of the things that were just really interesting kind of in the reading process. We read, I think over the course of the documentary process, we read about 30 or 40 books um, in different areas in order to, yeah, I mean, I read some of the weirdest things. Um, (laughs) I'd be sitting in the, in the Southern, like the seminary that I'm at the the cafe and I'd have a book like propped open. I'd be like a hand (laughs) covering it to be some sociologist textbook on like a survey of pornography. (laughs) Yeah. I just read some, I just read some, I read some really cool and very strange books for this project. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine, I know for me, even I'm always like, man, if someone ever looked at my search history and they would probably think I'm still addicted, you know, because because I, I love reading the research and I love like, yep. you know, I, I want to hear what's going on and, and without yep. obviously indulging the content. Um, you, have you read? Where, um, oh, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah. No, have you go read, I'm just curious if, if you're a book guy. Have you read um, Addicted to Lust by Samuel Samuel L. Perry? I've no, no, I haven't. I, I Samuel L. Perry sounds very familiar, but I haven't read the book. No. I'm just curious. It's just it's just interesting um, because it's he's a he's a sociologist who basically just examines the phenomena of pornography use in Protestant evangelical circles. Just mm. not he's not not religious. He's just no interest in in God or anything like that. But just looks at it as a sociological problem. He's like, hey, we have this group of people who watch pornography, um, but actively say it's sinful. That's interesting. Let's just let's read about this. And so it's not a book that's going to, if you know, if you're struggling with porn, it's not particularly going to be helpful per se, but as a book, that's just interesting, kind of an outsider looking in, it's a very fascinating book. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to make a note of it. Yeah. It sounds really interesting. I I wanted to ask Jacob, how did you guys find, I I can understand how you would have found professionals in this area because um, there's, there's actually no shortage once you start looking, you know, and whether you want someone who's more on the behavioral science side of it or more of a pastoral approach or you know clinical like and anything in between there's tons how did you find like the the stories of just you know everyday people that have gone through this you you referenced the couple that had worked through you know pornography addiction in their marriage what what, was that easy to find because i i have to imagine it would take a special kind of person to share their story in such a public way um how how did you come about that yeah so Two two kind of things in there. Um, I'm going to kind of pull back the, um, what is it? Pull back the sausage factory, whatever. There's the metaphor in there. Like you don't want to know <laughs> yeah. how, how these things are made. So the, the this story, if anyone watches the documentary, you'll kind of get immediately what this, what the story is. It's, it's, it's a couple and it's very clear that they're, that like they're kind of the focus. They're the narrative tie. Um, their story is completely fabricated in the sense of, and that sounds like also it's like, oh, really? And, and it kind of like, ah. It's a composition of so many real stories we've heard, right? Ah, uh, got it. So, okay. But we started, so initially we were like, okay, we've got to like shoot a video of a testimony of someone. And then you start going, well, okay, you're going to put this couple, like a real couple in front of a camera as they tell the whole story. And it has to fit this kind of thing. Because if it's just a guy struggling, you could kind of go into that stereotype that we're trying to avoid. If it's just a girl, that's a little odd to have, yeah. have it odd prop up and then we started we, we've talked with so many people we're like we can write an, a story here that i think is good 
that that is the essence of so many stories that we've heard over and over again. Yeah. Um, and so so what we did is we ended up re- we wrote that as a script, and then we got voice actors, two voice actors to come in. Uh, one of the voice actors is a really good friend of ours. Um, his name is Eric, and he that that was his story. Like the story of the couple was almost his story in a lot of ways. Not oh, not quite. Cool. He killed pornography before he got married, but like it was a huge part of his journey. So for him, he was so thrilled to lend his voice to it. He was both the yeah. actor and his voice because it was he was so close to that. Oh, but cool. for the girl who we got to do our to do that um to do the the visuals her she had never struggled with pornography so we got a different voice to kind of pair and the yeah. couple they're not actually married but they're they're all really close friends of ours so it's really funny because you know <laughs> yeah two not married couple acting as a married couple who all they all knew each other very well so yeah, and never yeah. actors in any true sense so it, was, it just they got to play pretend for an odd day of filming an odd insane day of filming we did the whole thing in one day wow um, uh, so, and, and Niagara, like, I don't know if sometimes, because I don't know if you grew up here, but you forget how beautiful Niagara is. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the shots are gorgeous and it's yeah. all local, like sh- the Short Hills, Niagara Short Hills area. Okay. And nice. so, so we filmed that and all that to say, we, we filmed that and that was really, that was really cool, but it wasn't particularly hard that thing. What was hard is at the end of the documentary, we have a whole montage of people. There's about almost 30 of them who all look into the camera. It's a really fast. And they all say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I was addicted to pornography, but I found freedom in Christ. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I was, hi, my name is Hi, And just like one after another. That's how the documentary closes. And they're all real people. That's their name. And they were actually struggling with pornography. Wow. And so we wanted to finish the documentary that way so that every person who's hooked on porn would see a face that looks something like theirs somewhat yeah. their age, somewhat their ethnicity and say, and hear someone say, Hey, by the grace of God, I've, I've found freedom so that they know like, there's someone like me who's done this. I can do this too. Yeah. That was just a lot of prayer and messaging group chats and asking like, Hey, anyone, is there anyone who's willing to put themselves out? And that was so cool, man. I, so one guy, you know, at the, at the seminary I go to Southern, Southern Baptist theological seminary, he messaged me and he goes, Hey, like, I want to, I want to do this. I was like, awesome. So we set up the camera and, and filmed him. And he goes, you know, I'm doing this because in the Psalms, David talks about how he can praise God for the fact that he's been forgiven. Mm. I want to use my sin and, and say that I can praise God for the fact that he's redeemed me from this. And this is my ability, like a little way that I can use the brokenness that the devil put in my life as and, and my own fault as a way to glorify God. Yeah, and it was just dang. this really cool moment of, of a guy who used his, you know, 11 seconds in the documentary, a brave 11 seconds, because that's all he is, right? It's just this yeah. little bit. Um, to, to kind of, to do that. Another girl, like we talked to again, the, the women were so brave to like, some of us who didn't know us super well, were willing to respond to a message and be like, Hey, I'll, I'll be a part of this. One girl, she's, she's, um, uh, she's South Korean kind of background. And so I got, she, she was hooked on porn by the grace of God found freedom. And she told me, she's like, you know, why I'm doing this. Right. I'm like, tell me, and she's like, I don't think you have any Koreans or any really, uh, Asian, Asian, Asian Dang. American documentary. I want someone who's who's of Asian uh, background to know that they can find freedom too. Come on. That's brave, man. That's like, 
man, to, to like the only thing that you're really like the only, I don't know, media piece of her that I think is even out in the world is of her saying, I was hooked on porn, but I found freedom in Christ. And she wanted to do that so that someone like her could say, Hey, that, that could be me too. So that's great. Too. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And it, it is, I remember when I started doing my, um, my work and wanted to do research, I was amazed at how many people were, you know, excited to share their stories, not for it to be publicly like put for all the world to see, but just for that reason of like, you know, God's done a work in me and I want mm. other people to be able to see that and hopefully it inspires somebody else as well. Mm. Um, really cool, man. So let, let me ask you, like when you guys were doing this documentary and you're, you're filming now and you're kind of tying together a narrative and you're putting something together that you guys have made free, which I, I want to ask about in a minute, but, um, what what for you is like oh man every time i hear this story after somebody's watched it that that makes it all worth it or that's why we did it like is is there like a prototypical response that you're hoping people will have when they watch the documentary yeah um that's a great question was what what i think is so so here's what you when you make a, a piece of content Here's what your dream is and what never happens is I want this to be applicable for everybody. Yeah. Good luck. Right. Like, right. You, and so in marketing, like in marketing, so my background is marketing, you make a product, you have your, your, um, your demographic, like to a T that's who you shoot for. That's who you write for. That's who you create for. And if other people are blessed by it, that's great. But you, you, you have to be narrow. Mm. We weren't with this. We were really like, can we make something that's really bare? That's like, that's, it's it's not a it's not complex. It's really just the foundational elements of change. And one of the coolest things that I've been able to experience is all the diversity of people who are impacted by it. Mm. I, c- I can't believe it. It's I'm so grateful for that. So we've had pastors who have watched it and been like, I so I and step away from ministry for a season because they were watching pornography and and, and that was really the impetus for them. Wow. I've had young people like 14, 15. Um, even younger who like that was really the kick for them to start taking this seriously um women who met women and men both at different ages who've been really who who either either like they were just encouraged by it they're like yeah they're doing all right maybe still struggling really kind of but really putting this into death but it's just an encouraging thing for them and I, that i'm really grateful for that yeah I, I had one story of a guy who who called me I, I knew him not super well but i knew him from back home and he said, he just called me randomly. And he was like, hey, do you can't talk to you real quick? I'm like, talk to me, dude. He's like, I just want you to know, I for the last 10 years of my life, I've been hooked on porn. Your documentary was the final thing I needed to get on my knees, confess this. And, and I just want you to know that I'm celebrating four months clean for the first wow. time, as long as I can wow, remember. Come on. And like, <laughs> to be, to have been able to make something that was helpful for people is so incredible. And like one of the things, so we made this, I kind of have been talking, we made this to be useful for churches. I think that's like, that's one of the things. So it's a documentary. You can show it at a youth group. You can do a church showing. We also, because it's got that six chapters, it made it really easy to split that into like a six part, seven part video series. Right. And we made a leader's guide and discussion questions. So classic, like small group stuff. Um, What I love is, it's kind of, it's not technically, but it's kind of the body of Christ in a sense of, I have my role. I'm a creator. I'm a storyteller, a resource maker. But then there are all these saints 
who are like the hands and feet of Christ, the the youth group leaders, the yeah. pastors, who they're doing the work. They're the ones who are in accountability with, with these guys and girls. They're the ones who are willing to put their neck out, who are doing this. And we can make something that's just helpful. So yeah. like, I love the fact that I can play my part as a storyteller, resource creator. And there are all these other Christians, like now all over the world, which is wild, who are taking the documentary, they're doing a showing, and then they're doing the real work of being like, hey, yo, let's get coffee. You, you know, you're convicted by this. I'm here for you. Let's, I'm going to start a small group. And they're doing real work. And and then I get to hear, like, praise God for them, right? And yeah. so that's been really, really fun that we can make something that's helpful for more people than just ourselves. And I, I assume you felt, you could feel, you felt probably something similar that you've oh, yeah. built a coaching network. And you were probably, I imagine you're like so proud of all these people who are, you know, in your, in your network, in your organization that are then doing these, this awesome work. And you can kind of be behind the scenes, just being helpful where needed. I'm I, something similar, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And always blown away by the stories and just amazed at, you know, how God can take something you create yeah. and do something, you know, way more than what you could ever ask or imagine. Um, the one thing that I've really appreciated about what you guys are doing is the consciousness of the local church. Um, and I'm a pretty big believer too, that like, the local church is kind of the gateway to all of this and that if we can really affect change at that level, then it can be a lot more widespread amongst the body of Christ around the world. I have to imagine that's partially why you chose for this to be free and super accessible, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about the philosophy behind that and why why you're not really monetizing it that way. Yeah, yeah, dude, that was very interesting. Uh, series of choices because we, we you, you have to once we start doing this project we're like well this isn't f uh, first of all it's it's like quote unquote not free right it's never free to make something but we're like well how are we going to figure this out um and there's kind of two there's a couple of kind of archetypal stories so john michael my film partner who, who's not here right now he has a very distinct memory he was 15 years old and he was at a point of real deep conviction and he said i, I got to deal with this porn problem so we went on the internet, found, went on Amazon and saw a book, found a book that was on freedom from pornography. He was about to buy it and he stopped. And he's like, if I buy this, first of all, I don't know when I can read it because I'm terrified to tell anyone. Second of all, my mom's going to see it on her credit card history. So he stopped, closed the window, and it was a further three, four years before he really got help for that. Dang. So he should have, right? Like, you know, she should like, but honestly, the moral culpability of a 15 year old, it's hard. Yeah. So one of our convictions was if we make it free, then if some 15 year old hears about it somewhere, he's going to be able to just go online and watch it. And like, there's not going to be that barrier of entry. And so mm. I was so, that was like so animated for us. And also zero youth pastors want to go make that a line item, like have to get approval from like, it's just not, <laughs> you know, that's, that's been really fun. A lot of youth pastors have messaged us and been like, dude, thanks for making this free. This is awesome. <laughs> just show it and i don't have to like it's so much easier have, have those conversations which is great so but in order to do that we were like well how are we going to do this so we took a crowdfunding model for the documentary um okay. now a ministry proper and so we we take support and like we're we you know monthly donors and that kind of thing so fundraising like every ministry does but yeah. then we kind of for the documentary we took a crowdfunding so basically we put we the way we wanted to do it because conceptually it's really weird you're like wait a documentary on pornography like, but you're Christian. So it's like a freedom documentary. Like what, what's like, it's like, what is this? So we put about $40,000 of our own money into this beforehand to basically build this scripted out, get all the people and film about 
70% of it. Then once we filmed 70%, we could put together some trailers and some snippets and get our social media going to be for proof of concept. So you're like, hey, this is what's going on. This has Heath Lambert. This has Garrett Kell. You know these people. So, um, and again, by the grace of God, we got some some of the best people I think in North America speaking on this in like in the sort of that the Christian Christian oh, sphere. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and so then we we did that, and then we we crowdfunded, it. and again, like people stepped up. Mm. Man, like we got to see the behind the scenes. There were people, our peers, who just work in normal jobs, who gave like a thousand dollars to this because mm. they were hooked on porn, and they're like, I want this to be to exist. And so we raised eighty five thousand dollars in the summer of twenty twenty two. Wow. in order to completely produce this for free it'll remain free forever and that launched us allowed us to launch this as a ministry model and do more fundraising so that all of the resources we make we we hopefully if we can keep this up will just remain free forever so which we can talk more like we're making uh, parenting resources right now uh, a video series for parents on this and i i look forward to when the 22 year old couple has their first kid and they start thinking about this that they can just watch this youtube series or this this video series and yes. not have a dime. And I, so I'm, I'm just very great. I'm very grateful we've been able to to do it so far this way. And so, yeah, it's logic- great, no, it's a great model, man. And you guys should be really proud of, of being able to pull it off. That's no, uh, no ordinary feat. Um, I want to, I want to switch gears just slightly and ask you a little bit about um, kind of the current state of affairs uh, on a broader scale. I know your studies are revolving around modesty, a really interesting subject. And we were talking about that a little bit before we hit record. Um, you also made a reference to purity culture as well, like just in our conversation off camera. I'm, I'm just curious, like what, what is your take on, on where things are going? I think the purity culture era is um, starting to transition to something very different. Yeah. Um, in my space, we use the word sexual integrity a lot and, and sort of that kind of thing. And, and um, that's becoming a little bit more common and prevalent, but what do you think to to the the church? I just think you have a, a unique perspective, um, just given the work you've been doing. But yeah. in addition to your academic background, what do you think are some of the main messages that we're going to see start to become a lot more common in Christian circles around sexuality and uh, pornography and integrity and all of that? Dude, what's the, what's the uh, verse in Proverbs uh, where words are many, hot takes are not lacking? Um, it's like which that's the word more to many sin is not lacking is is the original i it's like i want to be careful right because this is a kind of thing where i'll I'll maybe put a disclaimer these are my thoughts currently and i'm sure there's a lot of perspectives on this right because it's just hard it's hard to do like an analysis of the church in north america right of course yeah but what what i found maybe so first on the pornography front you, there's a diversity. There's lots of different, you know, you'll, so we, we encountered some churches where we would talk to some pastors, we talked to them about it and they'd be like, yeah, no, pornography is not a problem in my church. Click. Wow. You're like, dude, <laughs> dude. So you're that pastor. I would imagine is probably struggling with, with sexual sin, right? Like that's just, mm-hmm. they, the guilt just screams through. That was yeah. rare. Most pastors, most church members are like, yep, porn's a problem. I, I hear you. I'm team this. I'm team what you guys are doing. This is good. How invested people would get is kind of another question. But yes. there was very little pushback we had on this. I think, in, in at least in North America, on the whole, most churches, like, pornography is there. It's bad. Yeah, a lot of people in our churches are watching it. We got to do something. And so I think we're in a, we're in a 
get into a good place on this in a lot yeah. of ways, at least where the conversation's at. But then you've experienced this probably in the counseling side of things is there's still a huge gap between like what's next, right? Right. So like there will be people like, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much team. You should be walking in a, in a level of consistent integrity with sexual sin before getting into a relationship. I have a lot of guys. They're not stupid. Um, I think guys are, I'll say guys a lot. Cause that's more the, the area where I, where I conversation, this is guys or girls. A lot of guys will be like, you know, they'll be interested in asking a girl out. Yeah. Praise God for that. But it's like, dude, you're not in a place where that's wise right now. Like, mm. don't, don't do that. So that the porno- pornography, we're talking about it. That's, that's really good. When it comes to some of the other areas, there's just this. So when you, the church is kind of like this increasing bubble of sanity in a world that is, has thoroughly, thoroughly lost its mind. In the integrity. And that's mostly a result of, of the, of the sexual revolution in the sixties. Right. And so um, a couple of, so someone like the rise and triumph of the modern self by Carl Truman, he does a fantastic job on the identity side of disassembling that. Um, Louise Perry, uh, she wrote a great book. She's a secular author. She's not a Christian. She wrote a great book called um, against the sexual revolution, which is really looking at the sexual revolution's impact on today. And so you kind of have that, I think if you look at culture, you have this really interesting thing where people are, are free, free sex, marriage, marriage, and sexuality, decouple that. I mean, if you even want to get married, which to be honest, why bother? Um, right. And so you just kind of have this, this very much hedonistic, laissez-faire attitude towards sexuality, but it's tinged with a degree of like sadness and despair that I think is a newer thing in the last five years. So at least my experience of reading and talking about it with people, when I'll, t- I'll tell them kind of, I'll walk them through my like kind of basic Judeo-Christian ethic of sexuality. And most people are like, yeah, I get it. That actually sounds kind of great. I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to do that. But honestly, if I could restart my whole thing, I'm a little envious of what you guys have got going with like keeping marriage inside sexuality. And so I think we're, I think people are, and maybe this wasn't quite as true in like the 2000s, and maybe 2010s, but where I think we're at a point where most people in the the world, more broader, are like kind of exhausted with free sex and 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 just this sort of go where you will. Yeah, and I think that gives Christians or or people who want to have that kind of traditional, um, you know, sex sex reserved for marriage. Um, I think it gives them a really cool witnessing opportunity of being like, hey, we've got this program for how to use this thing called sexuality in a way that that is that just promotes a lot of flourishing and like Mm. it's just it's a good life yeah fighting for and so i think that's that's a really cool that's a really cool area um i can i I could i could keep going could say more on modesty (laughs) like i don't know do you resonate with that like tell me where where do you feel like and in any of those any of those points yeah, I actually, I've actually wondered if we're in like a, a hundred year cycle, like thinking about the sixties being the sexual revolution and wondering if maybe it'll take, it might take until the forties, fifties, sixties in this century where I think things could come full circle. I, I definitely feel like the tide's starting to change and you have someone like Jordan Peterson, who's like very totally. strong on conservative values and you either love him and agree with him or you hate him, but I feel like he his the wake that people like him leave behind might actually convert a lot more people into those those kinds of ethics because 
you know, we know this, like God, God's ethics don't, they don't just work if you're a Christian, they yeah. actually just work for man. Like the principles of anything you find in the Bible are applicable, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, and so there's, I, I think, I think one way or another, we always find ourselves kind of circling back. Um, can you comment on modesty? I just think that what a fascinating subject that you're studying in this day and age. And, um, you know, uh, I grew up with like modest is hottest, all those kinds yeah, of yeah. adages, you know, and I, I love those, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You must know all of them. Um, oh, yeah. But there's always been this interesting parallelism because you have you have kind of um, Christian modesty has always been there. Um, maybe the lines like, you know, I would say now the lines are maybe a little <laughs> bit blurrier. Um, and then there's always been sort of an, an opposing force like that. Maybe people are like, we don't care and whatever. Uh, I'm at the gym pretty regularly. It's very obvious that people wear whatever they want to wear these days. Um, those lines just continue to, to get blurrier and blurrier. Um, what are you finding in your research on modesty? And, and I just, and, I mean, I would just love to hear in general about it. And I don't know if you got anything interesting that you've come up with, but I, I just think it's a cool subject that you're studying yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, with fear and trepidation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Real cancelable topic. No, I'm fascinated, I'm fascinated by this. I'm going to say from, from the get-go, get back to me in four years or five years once I wrap up a PhD on this, sure. and I'll, have, I'll probably have some more cohesive thoughts. I'm in a place right now where I'm more interested in seeing what are the right questions to ask. Okay. I think the right question, which I'm happy to toss them out there because they're, they're immediately very interesting, but... Um, so I think one of the first things you could say, or one of the things I can say for sure is, so what what the sexual revolution was, a, what, a, what a huge thing the sexual revolution did was begin to decouple procreation from sexuality. And mm. Protestants on the whole really just flew with that. And so, and there's there's a lot of Catholic v. Protestant conversations in here that are sure. much, much several steps back. Because yeah. um, initially, so maybe I'll say this, like initially you kind of go, I don't know if you grew up this way. I grew up very Protestant. And like the whole Catholic thing against birth control was like, what? For yeah. real? So like, you're going to, what, latex is sin? Yeah, okay, sure. Having spent a lot of time studying why they do what they do, there is a deep coherence to their logic. Because what the, what the, the hmm. typical Catholic position is, look, if sexuality was made for a thing, then for you to subvert that goal, to, to cut away that purpose is to do violence to God's intention. Hmm. And so they're, they're, and there's a lot more, there are books behind those handfuls of statements, but there has a logic because when you keep running through that, you start going, all right, if sexuality is not for procreation, it's just, it's, it's a pleasure thing. That's fine. Cool. Well, let's play with that a little bit. Where's monogamy in there? Why monogamy? If it's a pleasure thing, have it with a few different people. And if it's if children aren't really the purpose, suddenly childrenless sex becomes a right, and if it's a right, abortion begins to make a lot of sense as a, as a casual, easy. No, it's, I, I was supposed to have sex for fun. Don't give me consequences. Right. Monogamy breaks down, and then all the other traditional Christian things go down. Like where, like all, it just it, it starts to you start to run the logic, and then you start to begin to make sense of where sexuality is culturally. Hmm. And so, I think modesty plays into this because you go, 
if you rewind the clock all the way back to like a really robust, beautiful vision of biblical sexuality, start there. God made sex. Sex is awesome. Marriage is incredible. Like there's a richness and a beauty to this. But if you go to Ephesians 5, right? Ephesians 5 is where Paul kind of starts unwrapping this mystery of Christ in the church. I, pro I promise I'll get to modesty. And he goes, Sex, something about sexuality, the oneness that that is that a husband and wife have in, in marriage is an image of Christ in the church. And, and Paul uses mysterious, like this, this Greek word for a, a, something hidden that is now revealed. Hmm. And what I think that says, among other things, is there is a, a sacredness, a transcendence to sexuality. I mean, in, in um, Malachi... Paul, uh, Malachi, the, the prophet talks about, you know, he's, he's talking to these priests who are just basically, they're just licentious. And he's like, and he writes about God himself was a witness to your covenant marriage and you're now to your faithfulness, faithlessness to your wife. So like there's, God is a witness to marriage. There's something transcendent. I think that imputes a transcendence to our, the parts of our bodies involved in sexuality. And so when you have this high view of sex, you also have a high view of like the, the power, the transcendence. I don't have the right words for the parts of your bodies that are naked or yeah. sorry, that are, that are like involved in sexuality. So you would cover them. When you have a, a low, a, a pleasure, a base view of sexuality, you start to have a low view of a, a casual view, a trans, uh, a, a trend. What's the word? Not uh transsexual. Sorry, I can't put that. Transaction. Transactional. The, transactional. transactional yeah. That's it. A <laughs> transactional view, not only of sex, but of your body. And so then the parts of your body involved in sexuality become just another thing to trade, to display, to sell kind of as you see fit. And I think that's the ethos behind the lack of modesty that we have in in, in like kind of a modern context. Because yeah. there used to be a time, I mean, people have like, you know, there's been, there have been like, public breastfeeding throughout like all of human history right. but it was just a it was a part of life rhythms feeding the baby kind of like uh, immodesty you know what i mean in air yeah. quotes now the lack of modesty is distinctly sexual and it comes from a displaying mentality it comes from a transactional it comes from just sex is the lowest common denominator of a pleasure thing hmm. that's how i think and what i think is fascinating then is christians we have a totally different script totally different paradigm of what marriage is amen yeah. but we shop at the same h&m so there's a theology behind the type of clothing that's made in the stores mm. and i think there's so many people guys and girls who will just shop and, and they're not like they don't they haven't read nine books on the subject like well, of course why would you but they just go buy something that's cute fair yeah. enough but they're not, I don't know if as many Christians are really aware of the implicit stories and communication that the clothing that you put on will tell. And then you go, then you get into relationship questions like, okay, well, can you build an ethic of modesty? Yeah. That's because what Paul's talking about in like, in like Timothy is not a modesty of sexuality per se. It's a more like the endowment and pearls and stuff like that. It's yeah. related, not quite the same. And then you have the shame of the Garden of Eden. Well, that's interesting. Let's play that in. And then you have just the powerfulness of the naked body for desire and things like that. And it's probably not, you're probably not able to build an ethic, a rule that's like concrete, right? I think yeah. it's like, you know, thou shalt not have a hem of your of your skirt that goes past your knees. Yeah, we're not finding that in the Bible. Right. But 
is it then a laissez-faire? Is it free for all? Like, does it, does it not matter? It's like, well, no, our, our bodies are important. Our hmm. how signal is important. Beauty is important. And this is where I get to probably just asking some interesting questions for a while until I, until I can do enough reading to start going, okay, this, yeah. is, this is where it is. That's going to involve a lot, of, a lot of sociology, a lot of other stuff. Oh, and then the purity culture. Two, two other sociological, sorry. Yes. You're going to be hyped up on this. <laughs> yeah. Sex revolution, boom, we're 60 years south of that. 20 years ago, we had the purity culture movement. That gave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths now for a lot of yes. words. So purity being one of them, right? And modesty for another one. And so and the purity culture, I don't know, man. I think it gets a bit more of a badder, more of a bad rap than it deserves sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like Josh Harris, his book isn't that bad. I think it just, it struck a chord that went far more south than he intended. Yes. And, and can, just clarify the book. That's uh, kissed, I oh, Kissed sorry. Jane Goodbye, right? I, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Man, that's, where you, that's the problem you have for being too in-house, right? Thanks for making me. <laughs> no I Kissed worries. Goodbye. That was kind of a zeitgeisty book for a large part of the purity culture movement. I think it was a lot of people trying to figure it out and trying to be like, well, like we want to, we want, like, we want these things. We want to hold marriage in high regard. Maybe don't like just have flings until you end up getting married. But what I think the danger was is they idolized marriage and idolized virginity in a way that made it became a new God. And the new God was just hold off until you get married. And then it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to be Nirvana ever since. And your sex is going to be wonderful. And then a lot of people (laughs) felt robbed when they realized, yeah, sex and marriage takes work. Marriage takes work. This is hard stuff. And, and I think then the, some of the bitterness came from that. So we're now we're, we're 20 years south of that. Purity culture is becoming a bit of an echo. And I think people yeah. are trying to pick up the pieces. So like, okay, I don't want to be the world. Purity culture was kind of weird. Yeah, where do I go? Like, all right, do I just kind of like, for the modesty thing, do I just kind of go like, what, four notches back from whatever I see at Target? Like, I don't know, that's kind of arbitrary. Is that a yeah. three-strap rule? Probably not. Um, like, and then, yeah, I don't know. I kind of leave it at that. I think... I think just asking good questions and learning about why we do what we do as Christians is probably the most helpful way to start going a pathway that's helpful. Learn about God's yeah. design for sexuality. It's got all these cool repercussions that are just, that are really, really interesting. Yeah. Hopefully that was something worth worth uh, your listeners' time. I don't know. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, the aftermath of purity culture is fascinating. And um, for those reasons, you know, that like I kissed Dane goodbye and... Um, Every man's battle uh, would be another big one, um, but uh, we had um, Brittany Delamora. I don't know if you're familiar with that name. She's a former porn star, was actually very renowned, um, but is now like you know a pastor. Been radically uh, had her life radically transformed, and she talks about how, as a porn star who is like starting to know Jesus, that word purity was like the best thing she's ever heard of in her life. Mm. Like the idea that she could be made pure mm. and clean again. Mm. Because she felt so dirty, you know, from her past and whatever. Um, and she really helped me, like, kind of see it in a different light because I think I was throwing a lot of stones at purity culture for a while. And um, yeah. I agree with that take. Like, I, I think that, you know, there were obviously some detrimental things about it. But, um, but you know, it's a biblical term. Um, and there, there's, a, there's a reason for it. Anyway, man, I, I feel like I could ask you another 50 questions. But at some point, these interviews have to end. Um, <laughs> into the, like, documentary, um, where, where can people um, watch that if they want to watch it? Maybe we'll start there and... Anything else you want to point them to, uh, go for it, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, first of all, I mean, appreciate this conversation. This was fun. This is one of the most fun podcasts I've done in a long time. Like you're, oh, good. you're an interviewer and I just, yeah, this has been good. Um, 
intothelightministries.ca or intothelightdocumentary.com. Either one of those goes to the same thing. You can watch it for free. And I guess that's what I would encourage if you've got listeners who are interested in this, skip the documentary watch yeah. and see if it's helpful. Maybe you could recommend it to someone. Maybe, I mean, if the greatest thing, the thing that I would be most thrilled about is churches using it because 100%. that's where God never intended us to kick sin in isolation. He always meant it to be a community project. That's why he gave us the church. Confession is important. You've got to have people surrounding yourself. And I'm yeah. sure this is a script that you've run over and over again, right? You need people. And so, yeah, if people want to go also like we're on Instagram uh, at into the light documentary, um, we try and make Instagram uh, our page on Instagram, a little bit of a redeeming place. So it's just tons of snippets of just little encouraging pieces of like, of, you know, the hope that we have in Christ and, and that you can get pornography. So those are, that's kind of the, that's kind of our, our, that's uh those are my plugs. That's what I want to point people to. Yeah, you got it, man. We'll put all those links in the show notes and we're it's cheering you on. And I, and I do want to say to those of you who are, leaders or people of influence in your local church in any way shape or form um uh pay pay attention to what these guys are doing i think this is really special and i think it's worth the watch um jacob thanks for your time today man this is really fun brother i really enjoyed this thank you well there you have it and man jacob uh, what a cool guy uh just uh, again very kind of kind of got a genius vibe about him doesn't he uh really appreciate that interview and look if you haven't seen it already go light documentary.com no barrier to entry it's free okay you just need to decide are you going to do this as an individual do you want to do this in a small group do you want to do this in a big group with your church or do you want to do it on maybe even a larger scale than that there's lots of different options lots of different ways for you to do that and so i highly recommend you go check it out we put that link in the show notes so it's easily accessible for you and if you are still uh you know couple weeks here now into the new year and you're still trying to figure out how you're going to quit porn this year uh, I hope that you will consider my program, Deep Clean. We've had thousands of people quit porn through this podcast, through our program. Um, we, I mean, we're kind of the all-in-one, like the all-inclusive offer. And so if you're looking for something comprehensive that's got a proven system, that's got certified coaches, that's got a community of like-minded men that are pursuing freedom, this is a place for you to at least consider planting. And you can do that by booking a call with my team. And so I put a link in the show notes for you to do exactly that. We would love to speak with you and love to see how we can help. In the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day and make sure you share this with somebody that you think might benefit from it. Hey, we'll talk soon, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. 
I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.